Welcome, everyone, to the You're Still Out Golf Podcast, part of the Sports Pros Network, where we're always talking sports, so let's start the conversation. I'm your host, Keith Needham, and I'm joined here in studio by my co-host and resident golf sicko, Mr. Jonathan Till. Jay Till, how are you doing this afternoon, bud? The day after the Open Championship. Keith, good to be with you. I am still whistling a British tune. Really just can smell the seaside breezes. White cliffs of Dover. White cliffs of Dover. Sandwich, a fine village in southeast England. And uh, a proper golf championship won by a proper golfer in Colin Morikawa. What a week it was. Really enjoyed it. Uh, Definitely uh, a hangover because, uh, you know, just like coming back from Boiling Springs, it's kind of like, how am I going to adjust to uh to normal golf because uh, watching the open is uh unlike any other tournament i would i would even argue uh, it may be the best so uh, i know we're going to dive into that a bit later but i'm doing great and excited to uh, recap the uk british open uh presented by her majesty the queen the Fast full time, full name in there. Fast Absolutely. and Furious. Yeah. So now, good to be here. Oh, always a uh, bittersweet moment for me. I think the day after the final major of the golf season, I get right. we'll have yeah. FedEx yeah. Cup yeah, playoffs, sure. and uh, uh, we'll we'll get some more golf and all. You know, Ryder right. Cup. I still don't think Olympics. I'm adjusted to this being the final major of yeah. the year. I'm yeah, still it's weird, right? Yeah. Uh, still. Used to we got one more, right? No, nope, no, nope. this is the last one since the shift in scheduling, or the PGA used to be in August and got moved up into uh, the month of May, and then, you know, on top of that, man, we went seven majors in like 11 months because of the reshuffle right. yeah, with COVID, COVID. Yeah. and so uh, where we went, you know, September, November, right back in April, and then uh, the slew on through, it was, uh, and even, even last August with the PGA getting moved, it will feel like a very, very long time before we have major championship golf, um, so yes, definitely bittersweet, it was a fun week. And, yeah, excited to talk about it. Well, you know, regardless of when the majors are going to be held, J. Till, and regardless of where they're going to be held, you know, the place that we like to take them all in is a little place that we like to call Chalk Sports Bar. Mm -hmm. So our home away from home when we're not here in the studio. But uh, everybody knows about Chalk, right? 1324 West Memorial Road there in Chisholm Creek Plaza. You can follow Ben, Chad, and the entire Chalk team on the web at chalkokc.com or follow them on Twitter and Instagram at Chalk OKC. The golf may be over, but we have NBA Finals tomorrow night, so uh, got got uh, plenty of baseball, right? College football will be here before we know it, J. Till, so still plenty of sports. Uh, Olympics, right? So well, we got that even, coming up. Uh, so. Even on the golf front, I mean, don't let the PGA Tour playoffs uh, slip you by. Uh, college football is getting very close, and then we do have some exciting stuff that we'll be announcing in the next few weeks on the Ryder Cup. And we all know everybody gets excited about that. Certainly after you think major championship golf is over for a while, uh, you realize the, uh, the biggest exhibition of golf in the world uh, that has turned into quite a, uh, a fisticuffs uh, will be happening at Whistling Straits, the U.S. taking on the Europeans. And we will be there not only to cover it, but with some uh, pretty cool, pretty cool events. Uh, That's one, right. one in particular. Looking forward to that. That we're looking to release an information on. So yeah, don't don't sleep on sports. We know you never do. Get yourself to chalk. Um, excited to see uh, what the next couple months hold. Now that we have a, you know, I wouldn't call it a breather from golf, but uh, certainly for the the uh, the common viewer, it's going to be a little bit less golf centric and a little bit more 
outwardly focused. Yep. Best sponsor in podcasting in the best sports bar in Oklahoma. Chalk, always the favorite. That is Chalk Luxury Sports Bar. Well, Jay Till, let's get into it, my friend. So obviously we have to start at the top. Young Colin Morikawa, his second major at just the age of 24 years old, Jay Till. He joins a pretty illustrious group to be able to do that, right? you got names like Gene Sarazen, Bobby Jones, some guy named Tiger Woods, right? So uh, kind of some lofty company uh, that uh, young Colin Morikawa has joined. Yeah, absolutely. Heady company. Uh, I'll go through uh, a few things uh, in terms of Colin Morikawa and his brilliance. With his Open Championship win, he becomes the first player to win two different majors Right. In his debut in that major. So back in August of 2020, uh, won the PGA Championship in his first ever PGA Championship. And then yesterday, cashes uh, the ticket as the winner of the Open Championship in the first ever Open that he would play in, uh, which, you know, something to be said right there. A lot That's of Americans in, yeah. in particular have a tough time going across the pond and playing well in British Opens after a little bit um until they've had a little bit of seasoning, and uh, he is wise beyond his years because he picks one off in the very first. Uh, the fewest major championship starts needed to get two wins. I think it was eight, right? Is that correct? Eight okay. times he's teed it up. He has won twice. Uh, only Bobby Bobby Jones was the last player to win two majors in less than eight starts. Again, most folks would point to Bobby Jones as uh, somewhat of the father of, of golf. And then... Only the second person to win the Open and the PGA Championship before the age of 25, and I know you've heard of this guy, Eldrick Tiger Woods, uh, only other person to do that before 25. It goes on and on. Youngest to win the Open when trailing going into the final round since 79. Third all-time to win multiple majors uh, after trailing through 54 holes. Impressive stuff. I think this is the lowest total score to win at Royal St. George's as well for a for, Open Championship, I believe. Right? Absolutely, Set that record, absolutely. Right? Guys went uh, low this week. They did go low. Uh, conditions were certainly benign. I'm sure we'll get into that. But, yeah, Colin Murakawa, I think the question is, where does he now rocket himself, right, in terms of the hierarchy within the game today? Dare I say, within the hierarchy of the game all time, you, you kind of look at the guys who have won only one major, and there's a lot of kind of you know, outlier yeah. names yeah. and folks that you, oh my gosh, he won a major? I don't even remember that. Uh, there are no two-time major champions that uh, fit that bill. Only the best of the best over the uh, 150 or so years that the game's been played at a high-level amateur or now professional level. So i got to ask you, Keith, we've covered a lot of golf over the last year. We've been deep on a lot of players. It seems like... Occasionally, maybe more than occasionally, we say, man, when this guy's on, he's the best in the game. Where, to you, does Morikawa fit in that hierarchy, if you will, of guys we seemingly always talk about saying, man, he's he, he, he's the kid, he's the kid. Yeah, I think he's top five right now in the, in the world from a consistency standpoint. You know, I don't know that he quite surpasses a natural, well, who would you put ahead of him, then? a natural talent like Dustin Johnson. Okay, I, I think whenever DJ's got it flowing, I, I think he's probably still the most talented guy right now. 
uh, from a top to bottom. And part of that's the athleticism that he possesses as well. I think Brooks Kepka is probably still slightly ahead of him. You know, obviously he's had the knee injuries and kind of coming back along with the Henri attitude. But even he played really well this week as well, kind of backdoored his way into a top six, a tie for six there at eight under with a 65 on Sunday. Um, I would probably still have Spieth slightly ahead of him. Interesting. Um, Interesting. I think, and then he and looked then, a lot more shaky than uh, Morikawa did. Oh yeah, he did on Sunday for sure. So, but we were talking about at the peak of their powers, right? So whenever they've got it going, and then a guy that I know you want to talk a little bit about later on in the pod, Rory McIlroy. I think I would still place him ahead of Morikawa whenever so you everything's got DJ all, ahead of him. You got yeah. Rom ahead of him. You got Spieth ahead of him. You got Brooks ahead of him. And you do have. I didn't Rory. say wrong. I didn't, didn't say, say wrong. So I, I think those guys are probably right there on the same plane, same plateau right now. But I, I'll, I'll take those four guys whenever they're all firing on all cylinders, slightly above Morikawa. But I mean, he, he's he's in lofty company. There's no doubt about it. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if uh, if uh, it's recency bias. Uh, I think that the thing with a lot of these guys uh, on the PGA Tour is if they have a hot putting week, they're going to contend and probably Which win. Which Morikawa did this week, sure. Yeah. I think that the guys, even at the top of the game, those five guys and, and others uh, that, that you mentioned, are are still that way, and it's either kind of a combination for them, right? They can have a, a great ball striking week and overcome not great putting, or they can have a great putting week and overcome not ball, great ball striking. I think Morikawa is, I mean, this is like historically statistically significant in terms of his ball striking. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, strokes gained approach, he is by far, and I don't even remember the stat, and it was so a bit convoluted that uh, I would have a hard time even articulating it. But the short version is he's so much better than the next closest guy in strokes gains approach that he's not. he doesn't have off weeks on ball striking. You think about that. I mean, he is consistently hitting it whole high distance control just like on repeat. And so you he's going to get a lot more wins out of his good putting weeks than even the uh, not even the average person but the elite player. And so to me that's where he almost separates himself. He is so good at one thing that he is going to have and and by the way that one thing is the thing that by and large wins you major championships and that is ball striking. It is hitting it on the green time and time again. And so I, I obviously got to continue to think about it. Don't want to make a snap judgment here. But, you know, two majors, he's got more than Rom. Yeah, well, uh, maybe. Two majors, he's halfway to Brooks. Um, halfway By the to, way, Jordan Spieth only has three, and yeah. we talk about him like he's a deity, which he obviously, uh, he obviously just ran out of holes because he was going to win uh, this weekend. Rory uh, has four, right? Rory has four, hasn't had one in 11 years. So, you know, uh, there's a game that, uh, game may be too strong, but kind of a little uh, bit that the no laying up guys like to do kind of over under majors. You know, they set the, uh, after somebody wins one, okay, is this going to, you know, what's his number? And they they threw out uh, four and a half majors. I was going to ask you, what's the ceiling? Would you go over under that? And it's uh, it's very interesting to kind of hear those guys talk through and to think through it. And, you know, we don't have the list pulled up right now of who has how many majors, but just of the folks I can think about off the top of my head, again, Brooks is in the catbird seat along with Rory with four. Uh, DJ has two. Spieth has three. 
I don't think there's anybody else besides Spieth that has three. I, I could have that wrong. So I think what it comes down to is he he's just he's just a killer, man. When he gets in contention uh, and close to the lead, he closes the deal, tracks him down, and just, I mean, I didn't see him make a single mistake yesterday. I mean, it, to me, it was like it was going to take a massive mistake just for him to make a bogey. You know, bringing doubles and triples into play was not happening. And um, very impressive. Very well, impressive. One of the things I was going to raise is that knowing that he is such an incredible ball striker and the shot making ability that he has, especially with his irons, you know, maybe in hindsight we should have saw this coming, right? So knowing that, hey, look, you, you think about the first time he's played in an open, right? He obviously went over a week early, played in the Scottish, got got some feel there, but his creativity in his ability to to hit every shot in the bag with all of those irons, you know, maybe lends itself to link style golf. They maybe even better than what we're accustomed to here in the U.S., right? Oh, absolutely it does. And I think that uh, when he can hit a very, 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 very reliable ball flight and all he has to do is worry about trajectory, that's going to play well at a lot of opens. Now, it will be interesting, you know, this open, more than any that I can remember in recent history, played... Uh, pretty darn easy, both the course itself, but then the conditions, it wasn't quite as fiery. You didn't see as many balls that you thought, oh, that's a great shot, and then it bounds you know, past the green or you know, funnels even more into a bunker. We saw some of that, uh, but not to the extent we normally do. Uh, I can't wait to see him, uh, not necessarily next year at St. Andrews, because that may be a bit of a pillow fight, but uh, two years from now, whenever uh, we go to Royal Troon, really interested to see more of prospects. But, um, yeah, as we look at the, at the major list in terms of active players, obviously Phil, you know. Yeah, so I was going to say, you, you have to say kinda, Phil. He just won one this year, yeah, right? Gotta, but he's, that's uh, still kind of Probably not. it. Six is probably his number. But right? then, yeah, Brooks and Roy are next at four majors apiece. And then I believe we do go down to uh, to, to speed at three would be the uh, the next active player on the list, unless you count Podrick Harrington, which, again, he's kind of – Probably not going to con- – although he was there. He was, there. He was, he was there this PGA- weekend. That's what right. was the deal with the PGA Championship? All these old guys had, had a chance. That's right. So, uh, but then and obviously you have uh, a decent amount of folks. Uh, well, really, there's not a decent amount of folks currently with two. Who, who's, who else is at two? We obviously have uh, the aforementioned – Bubba Watson. Excuse me. That's two. Zach uh, Johnson. DJ. Yes. Yeah, so, the other, so, so, other so, Johnson. DJ, Zach Johnson. Martin Bubba Keimer. Watson, I don't know if he – Martin Keimer. I mean, he's having a nice little yeah. resurgence. So – and then Morikawa, right? So there's just, it's a tight, and again, this is another debate that I know that a lot of golf fans like to have, certainly a lot of golf purists like to have, is how important are majors, right? I mean, there's one thing to talk about Jack and Tiger, and they just won, they won it all, right? And then on top of that, they had a ton of runner-ups and third-place finish, so they were always there. But, you know, you think about somebody like Louis Eustazen, you know, eat, you know, if, and a few things go his way. He plays a little bit better in a couple rounds. You know, he's right there. So it's it's interesting. We do talk a lot about major wins, uh, but I think the difference with Morikawa is he's 24 years old. That's crazy. Uh, we were spoiled by Tiger. He did so many things at such a prolific a uh, at a prolific rate at such a young age that we kind of compare everybody to him, and that's not only not fair, but just kind of unrealistic. Morikawa, two majors, again, in eight starts. Uh, I, I got to believe that uh, he should be probably ahead of a couple of those guys that you mentioned. I, I really think that it's uh, it's Rom, um, it's Brooks, and then Morikawa is probably 
probably third um, in terms of the list in the game right now. DJ, again, I don't know what's going on, and seemingly every time we start you know, disregarding, is maybe strong, DJ, he comes out and does something crazy, and it's like, oh, yeah, Dustin Johnson, he's like one of the best golfers in the history of the game. Yeah, and he had a good Sunday. Yeah, so, and, he, like I said, uh, he snuck around, finished yeah, so, tied for so eight. That would probably be my my uh, my list in no particular order. You know, Rom, Morikawa, Brooks, and, uh, and DJ kind of is the best – uh, four golfers in, in the world right now, and uh, you know, I, I'll, I'm, I'm, I'm itching. I'm itching for Spieth to be back in that conversation, but we're just a, we're just a little bit off. Well, let's talk about your guy, Spieth, right? So he was your pick, right, to win the Open Rode Championship him. this Rode weekend, him. and he made you look good, right? So comes in solo second, two strokes behind Morikawa, and really those two strokes, uh, Jay Till, we, we got to go back to Saturday afternoon, right? So 17 and 18, an ugly way to finish Tough. what was an otherwise brilliant round. And you look back on it now, in hindsight, that's essentially the difference in the tournament, right? Right? So frustrating. Uh, Spieth even said it himself. I think his quote was, you know, along the lines. Whenever he got into he got into the clubhouse, he said, "Is there something I can break around here?" And, <laughs> and I, you know, and he had, had a very revealing. He's a guy that always wears his you know wears emotions on, on his sleeve, sleeve right? Yeah. And so he's pretty open. But he said, "Yeah, that's that's one of the toughest takes to the end of a round I can remember in my career." And so it has to be frustrating for him because you look back and he did everything right, other than really kind of those two blips on the radar there, which well, is kind of uncharacteristic. Uh, the put on seventeen, you know, it's like. That's probably a 50-50 proposition. The put on 18, that was, yeah, yeah. That was not Two good. Footer, right? Uh, you should not have missed that. I believe that cost him being in the final pairing, which, you know, sometimes that's can play to your advantage, play to your disadvantage. Uh, I think for a seasoned guy like Spieth, being in the final group, getting to see what's happening ahead of him, within that case would, would have been Morikawa, um, would have helped him. And so that was a huge miss. Uh, nonetheless, I think when we, we I think Spieth is back because expectations going in were as high as they've ever been, you know, post you know twenty sixteen Masters probably, and uh, he delivered. And I, uh, as much as I was, uh, it's a foregone conclusion Spieth's going to win. I still had to see it and see him do it in a major, and uh, and and he absolutely performed. I thought Greller on the bag. Absolutely worked him around the golf course. And those guys are just chatterboxes all the way around the course, aren't they? They never stop lot, talking. A lot going on. A lot going on. I and but man, Spieth in contention at a major. There's just you know, post Tiger, just nothing better. There's nothing better. He always delivers some theatrics, always delivers some um, as you as you put it, chatter or kind of entertainment on the side, uh, other than just the golf. And you know, he just as as much as he's the kind of the golden boy kind of thing, he just is kind of an everyman, at least the way the game. Yeah, it I agree. It doesn't look pretty um, with the swing. It doesn't look pretty particularly uh, around the greens. It doesn't really look pretty with that cross-handed putting grip. Nothing really looks pretty except – the results. Well, now his approach, right? Kind of his pre-swing routine. He's got this little hitch, yeah, you know, kind of, of Matty Wolf-esque almost. You know, obviously he's moving his hands, you know, kind of working yeah, on that, dude, hitting down on the ball. But and, and honestly, kind of weird, weird. I was surprised that he played as well as he did doing something like that. I would always think about Tiger whenever he was going through a swing change because, you know, he did that like four times. You know, best golfer in the world, and what's he do? He breaks it down and starts over. I could always tell when he didn't quite have it because he would ex- he would be doing something that was exaggerated in his practice swing, and seeing that a speed, uh, particularly on that first day Thursday morning, I was like, I didn't say this to anybody because I wanted to act confident about my pick, 
But uh, I was a little skittish because when guys are doing that, and you know, you and I experienced that when we're trying to do something different, we're trying to really like get a feel for it, and you know that it feels exaggerated, but it's probably really not exaggerated. Yeah. yeah. Uh, seeing that on a speed gave me a lot of concern very early on a, uh, on a on a Thursday morning, which we need to talk about that at some point in the proceedings here. Our, our great time right, talking about part. chalk, yeah. But uh, all in all, I think an amazing week for Spieth that put in context of where he's been, started the year, if I'm not mistaken, as the 82nd. It was definitely in the 80s, ranked golfer in the world to uh, be knocking on the door of major championships just a mere four or five months later. Uh, nothing but great things to say about Jordo. And, uh, man, how about a Spieth-Morikawa Ryder Cup pairing? It's been pretty fun. Interested yeah. in that? Yeah, pretty maybe fun. Maybe taking on like a, maybe like a Rom and a... Uh, Maybe a Hovland, Rom Hovland, Spieth Morikawa. Sign me up for three days of that, baby. Yeah, it's going to be a lot of fun there. Uh, can't wait to get there at the end of September. But, you know, we talked about your guy. Got to talk about my guy now. Another guy who has been entertaining, at least in the last three majors, Jay Till, but for some of the wrong reasons, I guess. Louis Oosthuizen, right? I picked him. I said, hey, look, he's going to throw off the disappointment at the U.S. Open. He's going to break through. He's going to win his second Open championship this weekend in 454 holes. He made me look like a genius. And then, unfortunately for Louis and for me, he unwound yet again. He's, you, you kind of started to see it Saturday afternoon. Started to leak a little bit of oil there before he got to the close of that Saturday afternoon round. And then, you know, really, it was the seventh hole, I think, where he bogeyed a very easy par five for, for well, how the, how the course was playing on sure. Sunday. Morikawa birdies it. It's a two-stroke difference, and Morikawa never looks back. And, and it was kind of over with from that point. Uh, certainly over with in terms of uh, for Louis, anyways. Louis' yeah, chances. That's fair. Yeah. I think that, uh, you know, he gets uh, basically hole high in two shots on that par five. Has a while it wasn't an easy bunker shot uh, for these guys, pretty straightforward. Certainly to hit it on the green, and uh, just has one of those, um, you know, brain fart, brain freeze, you know, blood to the hands, not to the head, sort of situations where he totally catches too much ball, puts himself in a bad spot, really bad lie in the second bunker. He kind of he kind of had a Saddam there, yeah, going made it bunker worse. to bunker. Yep. And uh, was probably fortunate to get out of there with a six. Uh, but, yeah, bogeys that, and uh, that dropped him back. And uh, he, he, he fought to, to try to get back in. It hit an amazing shot on the uh, – ended up being an amazing shot, I believe, on the 11th hole, where uh, that was like a 250-yard par three on Sunday. And he hit it, and it hit the pin. Yeah, almost an it ace. could have yeah. gone in. Uh, at the same time, maybe it was a little fortunate because it was, it was coming in there pretty hot. But – I don't know, Keith. It's kind of like before yesterday, everybody was saying, yeah, he's finished second a lot, but he hasn't really had an implosion. You know, it's really just been because somebody beat him. And I think that everybody has to look at yesterday and say it was him that lost it yeah. equally to Morikawa being darn near flawless in winning it. But the thing is, you know, Louis, if he if he shoots, what did he finish, two back or uh, four back four when back. it was all okay. said and done. Yeah, really fifteen did. under he to really eleven did. under. Yeah, um, not play well. One over, so. uh, one over par seventy one is what he shot. So ultimately, um, I think that 
He's going to come right back next April at Augusta and be in contention at that major. I He'll see come no back reason. this week. He's in the 3M this week, which is <laughs> kind of interesting. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. uh, So I, I, I just have a hard time beating the guy up too much. Um, yeah, and that's I was going. I wanted your take on it because you talk about all these runner-up finishes in these majors, and, and he didn't even finish runner-up, right? He ends up with a tie for third with John Rahm, who had a really good Sunday as well, and kind of snuck his way up the leaderboard. Uh, but you know, you think about a guy like like Jordan Spieth, right? Uh, over the last few years, he's had four runner runner runners up since the last time he won a major, mm-hmm. and so it's like, well, why do we beat up on one guy versus the other? And I think for Louis, it's that so many of them have come in the last few months, right? So sure. recency bias. And then in somewhat spectacular fashion, from, and maybe not even spectacular, but from a meltdown-esque, it's like you kind of start to see it slip away. And it's almost like it's hard to watch. Like, oh, God, no, don't do not do that. You think about hitting it, you know, in the gunch, so to speak, uh, at the U.S. Open last month on 17, yanking it left. Mm-hmm. And then that bunker shot on seven that you described from Sunday as well. It's, it's, it's almost painful to see it. And I don't know if that's because... So he seems like such a nice guy, and maybe we're, we're pulling for him or something, but he does take more flack for getting there and not closing the deal maybe than a few other guys do. Yeah, I think so, and I don't really have an ability to put a finger on it other than to say, yes, he's likable. Um, I think that the reason that he, even though he is likable, people don't ride for him as hard as they do a Spieth. Um, that it's because he, he's yeah. just kind of... Uh, there's not a lot of, to get excited about with uh, with Louis. I mean, it's obviously it's a true. beautiful golf swing, very consistent, uh, but there's not a lot of pizzazz. Now, I will say, one of the things that came out of the weekend for the first time was his absolute ability to ham it up when it comes to a little lip-syncing karaoke action. Saw two different videos where he was having himself a good yeah, old time. I think one of them was after the U.S. Open, right? I think maybe last month, uh, the Adele song or something like that, yep, right? So, yep, and yep. I don't, you know, he's, he's uh, maybe lip syncing slash I saw another one where he was like karaoke. on some sort of like team bus or yeah, something yeah. where he was moving and grooving. So, uh, we don't get to see that side of him uh, maybe ever. So, yeah, uh, another great week. Uh, top three in the last three majors. It's pretty good. Uh, pretty darn good. Uh and he has won a major before. I think that probably helps a little bit. If he had never won a major, maybe like yeah, a Westwood or a Luke Donald from from years ago, um, you know, even a Phil before he kind of started getting it rolling, I think that it would be a Sergio lot different. Sergio Garcia was one of those. Yeah, guys a lot different happened. narrative um, for Louis than if he had not picked off that one back at St Andrews in 2010. Uh, so. Yeah, I think you can't give him a pass, right? You, you, at some point, you got to step up and get it done again. I mean, that's 11 years. Uh, we thought the symmetry was there because I believe it was 11 years to the day that he won Twas, in 2010. So, uh, again, not giving him a pass, but not uh, not fully scaring the guy uh, because he has played um, very, very well and should be commended for that. And just some guys, some guys aren't killers. Yeah, he, he happens to be not a killer. Uh, like, again, I, I would put Morikawa in uh, in the kill squad at this point for his ability to be a big game hunter. Yeah, I think it's fair. Now, now one of the things you alluded to earlier, and I know we wanted to talk about, was the overall enjoyment and watchability of the Open Championship, right? Oh, so yeah, part of that for, sure. for us here in the States is the time difference, right? You roll out of bed super early and uh, coffee golf, and uh, you're able to flip it on. But you, know, you look at the leaderboard when it was all said and done as well, J. Till, and you got Great in the top eight, I mean, you got what a bunch of guys that are in the top 20 
top 15 probably in the world rankings. Maybe the guys just outside of that, South African Dylan Fratelli, ends up in solo fifth. And then Mackenzie Hughes, which, I mean, maybe we should start paying attention to this guy, right? So he played really well last month at the U.S. Open as well. You know, had that tough break where his ball got stuck in the tree or whatever. But uh, that's two majors in a row that he's had brilliant showings as well. He ends a tie for six with Brooks Kepka, but um, a pretty good leaderboard. But again, so much fun. Uh, probably the most enjoyable tournament of the year from a watching standpoint, I think. Well, I would totally agree with yeah, you. I'm with you. I think uh, some folks might come at us and say, oh, come on. Yeah, the Masters. The Masters. Yeah, yeah. And I, I just think that while the Masters separates itself because you have this um, it's uh, kind of anticipation of spring matching up with when it is played. Well, and visually, it's just um, so stunning as well. Yeah. Visually, and yeah, in terms of what I think the average American golfer um, kind of looks at as a perfect golf course. It has those things in its favor, if you will. In terms of a, a unique uh, viewing experience, um, both from like what you are actually visually seeing on the screen in that kind of wild, untamed uh, look of Lynx Golf, and then on top of that, literally the unique viewing experience of getting up uh, at, for not even necessarily as sick as me, right, from like a 1.30 a.m., 3 a.m. standpoint, but just I think even the average golf fan is at least getting up, you know, 6 a.m., yeah, doing yeah. a pot of coffee and watching for a couple of hours either before work on a Thursday, Friday, uh, or, or earlier in the morning on, on Saturday or Sunday. So, you know, it's it's definitely the one major that I'm like, we only get really in terms of links golf. We really only get four days of this kind of golf every single year. That's covered at a high level and and is um, and is presented well. So yeah, I, I would again. This is not recency bias. I, I think that it's the one I look forward to most every year, especially in the immediate run up because I'm starting to realize, man, I'm gonna take in as much of this as I can because I can't even just go out the door and play. I mean, again, no golf course really ever looks like Augusta, but in terms of reasonable facsimiles, you know, if you go up to Southern Hills, you'd be like, well, there's no place that, there's no way Augusta can be nicer than this, right? It's so meant and well taken care of. So you, you can literally walk out the door and find a golf course that's a reasonable facsimile of Augusta. Lynx golf, you're going a it's long way. Uh, we're going to one of those long away places, yeah. my friend. Just, just over a segue. month, right? Segue yeah, right at a month. Yeah. Uh, we're we're going to tell you guys about that. But, yes, I, I think that uh, maybe maybe some of the folks can, can tweet at us and tell us, well, why we're wrong, that the British Open isn't the best golf viewing experience of the four majors. Yeah, viewing or, or experience. Beyond. I think yeah. you have to the, – the totality of the circumstances, right? I think the, the time change, the morning golf, waking up early, the anticipation and the fact that it's so much different than what we're accustomed to all adds to the flavor of that golf stew, if you will. And so I'm with you. I really look forward to it each and every year and, uh, and really do enjoy it from a total viewing experience. I think it's probably the most enjoyable. And you get to go play golf later that afternoon if you want to, which we did on yeah, Sunday. The, uh, the, the afternoons and evenings being free certainly adds to that as well. Um, 
it's kind of similar to West Coast golf, right? So it doesn't start till later. So you kind of right. have the, yep. the, the yep. afternoon freed up as well. So, yeah, I totally agree. And it would ride hard for that being the uh, the best golf viewing experience of the year. Now, we're, we're just over 31 minutes into this podcast, and it's been all open championship, which I, I think most of our listeners would expect that to be the case. But before we move on to some other things coming up here, J. Till, you know, old man rant here. We, we've got a couple things on the big board that I know we wanted to talk about a little bit here. You know, Rory... Your, your namesake, JT, Justin Thomas, you know, do you want to start first, maybe talk a little bit about Roy? Rory, do you want to yield the floor to me beforehand and talk a little bit about Justin Thomas? You know, where, where, how do we want to well, start I, this up? I, Old man I rant. Didn't, I didn't know that JT would be on the big board, so I'm going to defer to you on that. But I do, as folks might expect, uh, have some Rory thoughts. Um, here's the deal. This week, I had zero expectations um, of Rory doing anything. I was trying to change uh, the mojo on that, yet I, I think that, yeah, he, he didn't finish. What, what did he finish? He finished like even uh, par. Even par. He pretty much shot even par every day. So, so had 69 on Saturday and a 71 on Sunday. So very unremarkable. Even yeah. close to in contention. You know, he's two under uh, for the tournament after two rounds, uh, which probably had him, you know, 10, you know, I guess eight strokes back. And, the thing is, like, he comes off the golf course and he gets asked about it. I don't know if it was after the first round, but at some point, and is you know has consistently said something to the effect of, you know, I'm not frustrated or disappointed. You know, I have a great life and um, you know, happy, you know, just just happy to be uh, be able to play this great game for a living. And I think where we're at is we there's kind of the Rory that we want Rory to be. And the one that stomped on people's faces, you know, from 2010. Yeah, he to was the next Tiger, right? We, we had crowned winning him. Winning yeah. at a yeah. really, even then, unprecedented clip. Um, but there's kind of like what I wanted from him, and maybe what he wants from himself are two different things. Uh, he may not want to be the psycho that Tiger Woods was or the sociopath that, you know, Brooks Kepka is. It uh, it could very well be there, and you know we we wanted to be uh, what we thought he was going to be, which is the next Tiger. But you know you kind of look at Tiger, and maybe he thought, oh my gosh, maybe I just want to. <laughs> has it been all uh, roses and sunshine yeah, it turns for out Eldrick? Tiger has some serious issues, so uh, maybe being the next Tiger, Rory yeah. looked at that and thought, uh, no, I'm I'm good here. So he's getting uh, a little older, right? So maybe he's got some some perspective now, right? In the grand scheme of things, he does very, have a pretty uh, sweet set. Very much the yeah. buzzword. Um, so I, you know, I just think that that's probably where we're at as we view it through what's quote wrong with Rory. Why isn't he winning at the clip he once did or winning majors? Period. And it may just be that hey, I'm talented. I'm going to go out here, I'm going to try my best, and that'll produce whatever it produces. And I have a beautiful family and plenty of money, and you know nobody's going to question that I'm one of the greatest golfers of all time, at least in that top 15 he's, or 20. He's up there in the conversation, top and, 20, uh, I'd say. Yeah. I'm good. And so I think for those of us who want him to be that, maybe there is still a season uh, here over the next decade where he uh, turns the tide and really starts to say, I'm going to get kind of psycho about this game again and really grind it out. I could see him having a little bit of a late 
career renaissance, maybe like Phil Mickelson or something like that, to where we don't hear from him, and then he comes back and wins a couple majors at age 42 or something like that. I, I think that I could buy into that, even though we would consider him to be in somewhat of a, a lull, I think is fair, right? Especially after the way he started, right? You th- look back to, yeah. as you said, set the world so on fire. I, I right? So I, I'm, uh, I guess what I'm saying is I'm officially uh, retiring the, the Rory McIlroy takes on this podcast, at least uh, until he is at or a couple strokes off the lead going into a Sunday at a major championship. No longer will you have to hear uh, about Rory and how he's not getting it done because for now we're going to send him out to pasture as a ceremonial golfer showing up at these majors like he's, you know, Jack Nicholas and Gary Player on the first tee of the Masters. No, that's fair. That's fair. So, again, he, he didn't merit a whole lot of conversation this weekend, as you mentioned. But, you know, I, I want to talk about the guy who's number Very three, number Very four that you're, that you're going here. in the so world. Tell me about uh, Justin Thomas. You're suggesting that JT is the new Rory? Yeah, I am. Let's let, let's go back and look at his major performances this year. 29th. We're a 40th. We're going reverse chronological. Yeah, okay. 40th in the open. Right, tied for 19th in the U.S. Open, missed the cut at the PGA, and tied for 21st at the Masters. Now he won the unofficial fifth major, as you love to call it. I know the TPC, right? So TPC back in March. So kudos to him. But I I think he's kind of a a paper line a little bit here. So it's like I I don't I don't I don't get the vibe, right? So why everybody loves him so much? I know he has shot making ability and being able to shape shots and do all these other sorts of things, but you go back and look at this performance. Now the year started off a little rough for him, right? So rewind back to January, <laughs> February, where some things were caught on yeah. tape that probably uh, he had wished uh, they should not have been. Now in his to his credit, I would say he's gone about that the right way, and I think tried to rectify some things and try to make that better uh, as as much as one possibly could. But you know. He, he hasn't finished, or he hasn't been in the running, I would say, for any major championship this year. And so it's like, eh, I don't, I don't get it. Like, what's the big hubbub about well, Justin I Thomas? I mean, I, I mean, talk through, if you kind of, uh, if, you're, if you're comparing him to Rory. I think it's a very way, similar, yeah. Like, go down the, uh, you know, the, the tail of the tape, if you will, not in terms of results, but in terms of why. You know, why do these, why does everybody, quote-unquote everybody, view JT as one of those players, and you know, if you kind of put him on one side and Rory on the other, you you probably He's got start the one major. Probably start with talent. I mean, just from a from a flat out talented standpoint, you look at what they can do with a golf ball, whether it be the prodigious distance and accuracy that they hit the ball off the tee for small guys. Absolutely, uh, the for distance. JT, yeah. he absolutely um, certainly when he's on is uh, the best wedge player in the game. Um, I think that they're, well, maybe pre-January with JT, they're both very likable guys. Um, Rory, for his ability to be, you know, kind of introspective and worldly, and he's always going to give you a thoughtful answer. JT, um, for kind of being one of those guys, like one of the, one of the boys be fun to hang out with, seemingly. Um, yeah. So I think there's some merit to that. I, I think that, you know, the, 
I don't know. I mean, if you're putting, if it's like we're putting JT on notice here, like we have Rory over the past couple of years. Well, you you I love to give Rory a hard time. My my thought why is not why JT not give a him a hard time because he hasn't done squat in the last few years either. Yeah, I mean, he only has the one major, 2017 PGA at Quail Hollow, and uh, did win the Players, which uh, major or no major, everybody looks at that as a as a top level. It's event. a big time tournament. And, yeah, uh, big time you know, tournament. Rory himself said that if he wouldn't have won a players, there would have been a gap missing from his resume. Um, yeah, I, I can't, I can't disagree with you other than to say he's at a, even what is their, what are their respective ages? That would be interesting. Um, I feel yeah, like Thomas a little a younger, touch yeah. younger than Rory. And, um, I think the biggest difference, and I hate to say this about JT cause I, he is my guy. Uh, my namesake, I uh, like what he's about. He he gets a little whiny. He gets a little that's, whiny. That's part of it for me as um, well. Gets a little bit. Uh, it's even different than Spieth whiny. It's kinda, almost like Spieth is kind of whiny at himself, and JT just kind of gets yeah a little petulant, a little, little petulant. There you go. That's the right word. Frat yeah. boy. Um, you know, things aren't. I'm a rich kid. Not things aren't going my way. Kind of vibe. Which that's the vibe. You absolutely hate to see. Um, so I, again, I, as much as I think a few folks would like us to, um, disagree, I, I, I would, I guess I would say that unlike Rory, JT is still very hungry to get it done. So he is grinding. So yeah, about four years difference. JT is out there grinding and he had to go through a much harder path to get there here. He had to be on the corn ferry tour. It wasn't called that then, but for several years, um, he, um, you know, was always, you know, Jordan Spieth's best friend, you know, and Spieth is out there winning three majors. Well, he's chummy, chummy with Tiger as well, right? So I think that that maybe helps his GQ or his Q rating a little bit. Yeah, maybe, so. Um, so I, I think that's where I would push back a little bit is that he's still out there giving it everything he's got, grinding, um, hasn't let all the money he's made uh, keep him from working hard or really being hungry for more. Um, yet I can't argue, you know, with the results. Uh, I think it is probably time – uh, maybe is that maybe it's the world rankings are flawed, right? Because yeah, as you mentioned, he's what he's still number three, uh, four. I think he dropped four. to four. Mar- okay, Morikawa Mar- Mar- jumped him. Their, yeah, okay. yeah, but they're he tight. Was, he was right three there, going yeah. into this week. Rom Rom jumps DJ with his. Uh, but again, T3 okay, you go. Okay, how about this? Close. If you want me to push back a little bit, let's keep going down this list. Okay, Xander. I mean, I don't know. Xander hasn't won squat. Okay, yeah. uh, you got you got Bryson and Brooks. You know, they're deservedly they both won majors. Mm-hmm. Brooks multiple times over. Cantlay. No majors. Ustazen, no majors. Harry English, uh, no Ustazen's majors. Got one. Sorry, my apologies to the South African. Uh, Hovland, no majors. Hatton, no majors. Reed, the one Masters, uh, and then you go Spieth, Rory Webb, and you get to some some uh, some guys who have one. So there are some other guys well, in that top ten that get a lot of. Oh, this yeah, guy's the yeah. guy. Guy's got to beat. Well, you know. I think it ties back to what you had asked earlier. Is like how much weight. You know, how do you judge a golfer? Right? Is it by major yeah. championships or is it by the week in week out consistency? Which well, I granted, JT, JT, JT has he, the he most plays wins every week. of anybody. He plays every week, you said he was twenty eight. I think he was twenty seven yeah. at the time when I heard this stat. But it's like he had the, he has the most wins of anybody twenty seven runner. Like just total wins, right? Not not majors. Yeah, a lot of a lot and of uh, so, Rocket Mortgage Classics and uh, Sony Opens. Yeah, yeah. Lim- well, limited field actually, which is interesting. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm I'm not I'm close. I would say I'm very close with JT to saying okay, he is not in that breadth of the. I, we've already said, and again, I've, I'm, I have no our, problem. Our top with, four or five ish. I have pretty no close, problem with right? the, the Rom, DJ, Morikawa, uh, Brooks, um, 
and Rom, DJ Morikawa, Brooks. Who am I missing? Um, and Rory. Um, no, who did we talk about earlier? That is, that was the five people you put ahead of Morikawa. Who am I missing? You said Rom. I had Rom, DJ, DJ yeah, Brooks, Brooks, and I had Rory. That was a four. I had him fifth. I thought you had. I thought, okay, yeah. I thought you had five people. Ahead no, of you, so. you wanted to throw Rom in there. I said mm, I'm not ready to do that yet. Yeah, so. so I I think that I have no problem with JT being quote behind those guys. Um, but you know, second tier. JT versus Xander, I'll take JT. JT versus Cantlay, I'll take JT. JT versus right, Harris fair. English, Louis, even Louis Eustazen. Nah. Um, I'll, 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 I'll take him up against any of those guys. Now, right now, now, if we go certainly all of next year's major championship season and we still have this JT, you know, not even really contending in majors for another year, um, I'm, I'm very willing to, uh, to issue death rights on, on JT. I'm not, okay. you know, I'm not, I'm not above killing off a fellow JT if needs be. All right. Well, do we want to jump ahead to next year or do, well, before we do that, we want to recap, but before we even do that, well, I, I here's, think the, we, deal. here's we, the deal. We, we want to, we want to talk about some, some I think local that, stuff. I as think well, that right? Rory, we talked a lot of Rory and JT. They've both had their games tested and most would say exposed in major championship it's competition. Fair. It's fair. And our listeners now have the chance uh, to see what they're made of. And, of course, I'm talking about the Lincoln Park Club Championship Ooh. coming up at the end of this month, what, Mr. 12, 12 days, right? A Give or take. 12 days away. Aaron, uh, Aaron Christopete, head pro at Lincoln Park was kind enough to come on the pod last week to promote the event, but wanted to give the folks another opportunity to focus Absolutely. on the details. So it. Saturday and Sunday, July 31st and August 1st, a two-day stroke play format with both gross and net divisions. Yes, your handicap will apply. You have one round on the east course, round two on the west course, and uh, $120 entry fee is going to obviously cover your golf, but some nice tee gifts and cash payouts for all those different divisions. I played it for the first time in 2020, Keith, and really enjoyed the experience playing in a high level, yet you know still fairly comfortable amateur competition. So registration deadline, July 27th. All you got to do is call the Lincoln Park Pro Shop. Just over a week. 405-424-1421. Again, that's 405-424-1421. And the guys will take care of you. Uh, Lincoln Park Club Championship coming up at the end of the month. Yeah, I can't wait for that. You're going to be participating in it. I'm going to be out there covering you as long, along with some of the other YSO uh, friends of the pod, if you will. So we're going to be out there having a good time on both days. So I'm really looking forward to it. And you and I played it yesterday afternoon, played the East Course. We did. In, in, in their, it's in good shape. And the rough is deep and it's thick, and uh, it's going to be a yeah. Hopefully, a the, stiff, hopefully we stay a little test. dry over the next yeah, ten days, so they have a chance to, to mow uh, yeah. some of that down. Because yeah. I think uh, it was pretty rough. Out uh, there. I think most <laughs> folks think, oh, the they're pump. really trying to set the course up hard. No, folks, they just can't <laughs> it mow it tough. fast enough because of all the rain that we've had. Uh, even when you get a little stretch of good weather, then we have a gully washer like we did on Saturday evening. But uh, learned just yesterday, it's official. Scooter Gerse has entered the club oh, championship. big time, big time. And so uh, he and I will be squaring off uh, mano a mano for a low gross, low net. Uh, so, yeah, get involved. Again, 405-424-1421, or in this day and age, just Google Lincoln Park, and that phone number will pop right up. Get yourself signed up um, for what I would consider the, the premier 
uh, amateur local uh, club championship in the in the Muni circuit. Absolutely. Really looking forward to it again. Going to be a lot of fun out there July 31st and August 1st, but we, we will be a part of it. So I, I want to, before we kind of move on here, maybe maybe take a quick look back at the majors that were this year, right? We talked about Justin Thomas obviously winning the Players' Championship in March, but if we go back to April, it seems like it was forever ago now, Jay Till, but we had a, a pretty historic Masters as well, right? Coming off the back of the weird fall Masters to where DJ was so dominant right in November. We get another Masters in April. Uh, Hideki Matsuyama, the winner, right? And, and did so in pretty impressive fashion. Kind of won it on Saturday, right? So it was kind of a mm-hmm. over with really going into Sunday if it, if he didn't collapse. And, and he didn't play great. I think he shot one over par on that Sunday, if I'm not mistaken. But I think he had a five or six stroke lead going into it. Holds on uh, to become, um, I think it was Japan's first Winner, right, of the Masters, if I'm not mistaken. First winner of the Masters, I believe, is the first winner of a major championship, uh, at least by a male Japanese golfer. And, yes, uh, capped off by a very cool moment uh, with his caddy kind of bowing to the course, an oft-shared um, photograph. Yeah, um, yep. probably be the most memorable moment of that Masters. So, uh, a very, very cool uh, moment uh, for the, uh, the country of Japan, certainly in an Olympics year where they have uh, the host of the Olympic Games, to uh, kind of get that motor running with a Hideki Matsuyama major championship. Uh, he, he learned how to putt that week, which was important. And um, very cool to see that. And, you know, even though we had only gone, you know, November to April, still high anticipation for the Masters. And uh, it delivered as it always does uh, with some some high-level golf, high-level scenery, and uh, pricked the um you know the, the the bubbly a little bit for what was to come yep absolutely and so we we stayed in sec country uh for mm, the pga championship road, yeah. right so kiwi island uh, down in south carolina and maybe the most improbable you think about hideki oh, winning the masters major. was yeah, definitely Im- improbable but maybe the most improbable winner out of all of them this year phil mickelson turning back the clock becoming the oldest man to win a major championship uh, on record, 50 years old to crack it here, his sixth yeah, major title. while right? the British Open, again, the best golf viewing experience year in, year out, this PGA was definitely the best major of uh, 2021 because of the improbability of Phil winning, the uh, the scene on the 18th hole, everybody coming in around him. Yeah, um, It was just awesome. And then he had kind of Brooks uh, reasserting himself. Again, he had missed the cut. I'm sorry. He, did he even miss? Did he miss the? Yeah, he missed the cut at the Masters, playing on a bum knee. Probably shouldn't even have been there. So he's back in contention at a major. People think he's going to easily take down Phil, uh, but Phil gets it done, becomes the oldest major championship in history. And man, just bombing uh, it around that course, bombing too. the golf ball. Pretty impressive stuff. Again, golf is so stupid and hard. Phil shot an 80 this week at a very benign Opening Open Championship round, yep. course, and so. Golf is crazy, absolutely crazy, but that was a fun one and a fun one to watch. I know you and I had a lot of fun watching that final round. Yep, absolutely. We fast forward to June, the U.S. Open, John Rahm, again, karma, right? Coming back to it, we think about the lead up with him, right. just just boat racing everybody at Jack's Tourney, the Memorial, and then having to withdraw after 54 holes uh, due to COVID protocols. And again, he was going to win that tournament. And so he had this wave of positive energy, right? Didn't even know if he was going to be able to make it to the U.S. Open because he was waiting for the negative test and try to check out all the, uh, the, the boxes, if you will, 
from a protocol standpoint, gets into the tournament. Again, we, we talked about it earlier. You know, I, I don't really know that Louis lost that thing. I mean, hitting it into the gunch on 17 was, it was a tough blow there. He made bogey, but Rom went out and took it, right? So with the birdies on 17 and 18, you know, everybody will remember the putt on 18, but it was really the putt on 17. That was an absolute on 17, one of the best putts bender. I've ever seen. Insane, yep, uh, yep. He read it perfectly. He kind of saw where it had to go in the hole, and then to match that up with actually hitting the putt online and with the right pace, uh, absolutely stellar. A couple of amazing fist pumps on 17 and 18. Fiery. Now, guy. folks forget, and this was actually brought up in the telecast of the Open this weekend, he birdied the first and second holes on Sunday at the U.S. Open to kind of get himself in the mix, right? And a lot of guys were kind of going low and playing well on that front nine. He did that right out the box. So he birdies the first and second, birdies the 17th and 18th, a perfect bookend to his first major championship. Uh, absolutely awesome. And he, uh, again, we said it at the time, 25% of his major championship starts. He has finished in the top three. And folks, forget that. Rolls right into the open, bags himself another T3. top three. Yeah. Yep. So uh, pretty amazing. Um performance really over the whole year from John Rahm. Yeah, safe bet that he'll probably get at least one more, right? He's not going to be in that uh, uh, long list of guys with just one, right? I, I think he's going to crack at least two, so probably a few more. I, I, I think he has a Masters written all over him. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. Might be, might be the favorite going into it next April as well, so we'll see what happens uh, at the Ryder Cup and over the offseason. And obviously, the Open Championship just concluded yesterday. Colin Morikawa making history in so many different ways, right? The age, the score, uh, again, and just the the efficiency, right? So two out of eight, as Meatloaf would say, ain't bad. Ain't bad at all. Some might call it elite. Some might call it in the breath of the best of all time. Definitely would say that the Open Championship uh, was the second best uh, major of the year. Uh, obviously, you talked about the viewing experience, but then, you know, it's hard to dislike Colin Morikawa, right? I mean, what is there not to yeah, like? Absolutely. Very, um, very likable guy. You know, likable guy from a personality standpoint. Seems to be a bit of an old soul. Uh, for that matter, it's fun to watch somebody play, actually play the game of golf, right? I, I feel like golf now, and I'm, this is not a get off my lawn sort of deal. This is just a matter of fact nature of what high level professional golf has become is total arms race. Who can hit it the farthest? Who can wedge it out of the rough the closest? And Morikawa plays a very elegant, very elegant game. It's get the ball in play, and then it's using that literally one of the top five iron players of all time. And he's only 24 years old. I think I've said that a few times. Uh, Awesome to watch Morikawa get his second major already. And, you know, that was the major season of 2021. It kind of feels like since we started this flew podcast, by. It flew by. it's been major championship season for 11 months, right? Yeah. Because, yeah. again, we have an August PGA last year, a September US, US Open, Open yeah. a November Masters. So, you know, we were kind of staring down the barrel getting used to this. <laughs> of uh, seven majors over an 11-month span. And I remember thinking at the time that, you know, if somebody can kind of get on a little bit of a heater – they can knock off a couple majors, and lo and behold, Close to a career grand slam. Colin Morikawa um, was the person that that lifted and separated in terms of bagging two 
uh, of the seven that were played. So, yeah, awesome to look back on that uh, on this year and even into fall of 2020, uh, which, again, we're kind of all counted toward – all but one were counted toward this season. You know, only, yep, the, only right. the PGA in August was part of the last, quote, season schedule. So, very fun. Uh, great time to start a golf podcast because we've had a lot to talk about month in, month out Absolutely. as it relates to major championship golf. Yep. Well, well, continuing that, let's go YSO grab bag here, J. Till. Let's hit a couple of high notes here from the other tournaments that were taking place this weekend, uh, obviously dominated by the Open Championship, but we can't forget about, we'd be remiss if we didn't mention the Jutana Garn uh, sisters. I knew I'd mess that yeah, up. Yeah, they took it deep. Yeah, the Dow Great Lakes. Uh, kind of a, a neat format, right? The alt shot, you know, kind of partner up, similar to what we're used to with the guys down in New Orleans, right? Kind of a different modified format there. But uh, those two sisters, I think, end up winning by three or four strokes, if I'm not yeah, mistaken. Yeah, a couple yeah. days yeah. of alt shot, a couple days of best ball. I believe on the best ball days, they shot 259s. Yeah, that's right. Which uh, is pretty impressive. Pretty good. Pretty good. And so uh, at one point, Aria, number one player in the world um clearly very talented her sister moria has come on really strong really starting with last year's uh december uh women's u.s women's open they're always a fixture uh, at the majors yeah uh, kind of she got on on our radar so uh impressive to see that and uh, we actually have a women's major coming up uh this week with the uh, the evian championship over in france uh the fifth really they actually they have actually have five majors so it's not even like the unofficial it is official uh as the fifth major or at least the fifth one that was added um so very cool to see that and then uh you know opposite field we love those opposite field events lives being changed and i know i without even looking that you were a huge fan of the winner if uh, nothing by name alone oh irishman seamus power which it has to be, you know, it's all name team, but it sounds like a Bond villain, right? I absolutely love this name. He uh, overcomes JT Poston after six playoff holes. More playoff golf uh, here uh, stateside at the PGA, my friend. So, again, we weren't paying super close attention to it because you and I were on the golf course at Lincoln yesterday afternoon. But JT Poston, from the recap, at least in the highlights I saw, unfortunately for him, looks like he kind of fell apart there down the stretch. Yeah. Probably should have ended up winning this thing pretty comfortably. Didn't work out that way. Seamus Power sneaks into a playoff. And then, to Poston's credit, I mean, he got his act together, right? So, because it went six playoff holes before he finally succumbed uh, to Power. But uh, kudos to Seamus Power. Again, all-name team, if nothing else. Uh, and, uh, yeah, big, big win for him, right? So, the Barbersaw Championship. So, um, those guys that uh, don't make the cut, so to speak, over at the Open Championship, uh, good opposite field tourney here to, to get them some exposure and get them into those pressure-packed moments, if you will. I'm sure JT Poston will learn a lot, uh, if nothing else, uh, from uh, what took place yesterday afternoon for him. Yeah, tough weekend for JT. There's no doubt about it, at least on the professional circuit. Um, You know, I don't know if this falls in grab bag or fairway files, but definitely have to talk a little bit about the OGA Oklahoma Amateur uh, match play uh, to determine that champion. Taking place up in BA, right? Broken Taking Arrow? Taking place in Broken Arrow at Cedar Ridge. A fine, Shout fine out to our man DK. Mm-hmm. Got to shout out DK, a member there at Cedar Ridge. But um, I think it's safe to say at this point, you're still out's own Justin Hoppick. Absolutely. Uh, qualified uh, by virtue of a 68 that he shot uh, a couple weeks ago at Lincoln Park West in the qualifier. He matched up today against Blake Blazer, I believe that's oh, how you man, another all name team. Uh, it could wow. be Blazer, a Blazer sounds you cooler. Go Blazer. Yeah. Uh, a Louisiana Tech current Louisiana Tech 
product. Three-time state champion there um, in Louisiana. And, uh, you know, Hop fought. Uh, I believe he made a birdie on 10 to cut the deficit to two, but ultimately fell short, uh, losing five and four to young Mr. Blazer. Uh, Hoppick has absolutely been grinding when it comes to preparation for this amateur golf season. Uh, so kudos to him for getting in the arena. Uh, had the whole family up there, uh, in addition to our man, uh, Colin DeBose, uh, Frenchie, as we like to call him, had him on the bag uh, caddying today. And uh, and we'll see Hop again soon. Um, Mid-amateur coming up. That's right. Uh, Mid-am, basically the same tournament, same type of tournament as was just completed, except for those who are 25 and older, so you won't have to deal with any of these young whippersnappers coming up <laughs> from uh, Yeah, you know, some, some of the older guys can compete in, but 25 is still pretty young to me these days, JT. <laughs> yeah, pretty, pretty young. And uh, our man Dragon, Brett Alcorn, will be joining him in that field along with uh, a very likely participant in NOLO, Matt Nolan. And so we will be keeping a very close eye August 2nd and 3rd up at Oakwood Country Club uh, in Enid hosting the OGA yeah, mid be fun. So, yeah. uh you know, not quite grab bag, not quite fairway file. So I wanted to kind of shoehorn that in because uh, the boys on the uh, WhatsApp thread would have beat me up pretty bad if I didn't shout out our man Jay Hop. Yep. yep, kudos to Jay Hop. And again, as you mentioned, been grinding on it, been getting better each and every week, and has made a good account of himself, right? So the, the couple has. of events that he's been in, and we haven't heard uh, the last of the smooth swinging lefty Jay Hop there. So uh, hopefully he'll break through on one of these events coming up soon. So now fairway files, it definitely falls into this category. Got to show you some love as much as I hate to do so here from a fantasy golf standpoint, right? So we talk about dirty birds, oh, and we'll talk about yes, that. Yes. But we have our own little, you know, friends and family family group, if you will, that the we do chalk fantasy, fantasy golf yeah, draft, yeah, the fantasy official draft. Yep. fantasy golf draft. That's right. That's right. City. But you, <laughs> what I've got on the big board here is that you finally legitimize your golf knowledge. You break through, you win a fantasy golf major. Congratulations. And kind of come from behind, right? So just nipped our boy, Matt Stevens, right? Uh, absolutely. And, you know, much Dramatic like, fashion. much like uh, several of the all time, greats that uh, hit a bit of a rough patch it was only a matter of time you know before uh, regaining uh, the crown um, at least temporarily that is uh, the major championship draft season coming to an end had been um, as we've talked about on the podcast had been taking some heat here over the last four or five months for the a uh, little bit you know all bit. of a sudden because I uh, come on a podcast once a week and you know chatter about golf uh, they expect uh, the picks to be uh, correspondingly good. You know, I, I never, I never signed up for a. Uh, I'm going to tell you who's going to win every golf tournament every week podcast. This is about institutional knowledge, about a passion for the game. Get up yet to something. Though. Yet, uh, clearly, the proofs in the pudding uh, when it came to the squad that I selected of the uh, Golden Boy, Mr. Jordan Spieth. Uh, first obviously, pick. First you know, pick. not not not, a, not uh, too much of a reach there. But then, you know, after your first pick, you, you, you're going to have to get a little bit more creative. And um, was fortunate enough that um, – uh, who was my second pick? I don't even remember who else was on the board. Oh, uh, Scotty Scheffler. I know Scotty Scheffler Solid. was a very coveted um, golfer in this draft. Uh, picked him up in the number two spot. Had a great start. Great first two great rounds. Great start. And I believe so. he top, cooled he, off he, he top ten. And yeah. so um, – but then you really get interesting when you get to your third, fourth, and fifth golfers. Webb Simpson, guys. Webb, I rode with him. I love Webb Simpson. I've grown to love Webb Simpson. 
uh, took a bit of a flyer on him, and he played beautifully, was in contention at one point, uh, played well. But the pick of the week absolutely had to be our man Ricky Fowler. Ricky Fowler played well the first two rounds. I look like a genius. Then he bombs out on Saturday. And I think, you know, my tournament's over. While everybody was still sleeping, BDR comes out with a 5-under-65. He was the difference. Yes, nipped Matty Stevens by one nary stroke. Came from way back. I believe going into the day, Matt was 28-under, and my guys were 16-under. Yeah, it was about a 12-stroke difference. Made up a 12-stroke deficit. Uh, Heroic performance by you. Absolutely. Uh, My four guys will be invited to a pizza party on me. I'm sure all four of them will be there. In addition to my fifth guy, who didn't make the cut, Ryan Palmer, we'll invite him because, you know, we're we're, we're a team here. We're a team here. Five people on the team take the four best. It'll be hot and ready's all they can handle from Little Caesars, free ad. Uh, Can't wait to host those guys over at uh, at Wheeler District, uh, if Chalk isn't available, of course. Yeah, absolutely. Congratulations to you. Had to get that in there because you mentioned you'd been taking some heat, right? So you, you've you've uh, you've earned that platform uh, to be able to uh, yeah. to puff out the chest a little bit, my friend. Gonna, so had to get be, uh, It's going to be a nice nine months of uh, well, riding the crown. You know, we talk about our picks here for the Open Championship, and it's a long golf season, right? But I felt like we really got dialed in. You had uh, Jordan Spieth finish second. Yep, yep. I had Louis Oosthuizen finish in a tie for third. And after you know talking about fantasy golf, after three rounds, I slept on a 54-hole lead just like Louie did in the YSO Dirty Birdies contest, right? So 100 people entering there. I was tied at the top of the leaderboard, Jay Till. And then, you know, Uwe, or, you know Louie Uwe obviously did not have the round that he wanted on Who Sunday. Who else out for a lot, you? a lot of guys had him in the lineup, though, so that wasn't what cost me. It was really the combination of... Matty Fitzpatrick, who I had as my top tenner, which he did okay, tied for 26, 300 par, goes out and shoots even par, and then Westwood and Bazudenhout, the South African, eh, over par, not great days on Sunday. That was essentially the well, difference I mean, when that's it was all why, said and done. You know, yeah. That's why the colonists broke away in 1776. You never yeah. pin your hopes to the English. Okay? Yeah, well, from the Euro perspective as well. I've learned that the they hard way. So. Uh, they're a defeated um, shell of a country. And so when you pin your hopes to Matty Fitzpatrick instead of an All-American squad like I had, Keith, that's what uh, that's where you're going to find yourself. But yeah. kudos to you. Really nice run. Got to give it up to place. Uh, one of the best names Top I've 10. seen on our DFS contest, Charlie B. Gnarly. That's a good one. That's a good one, yeah. Love that. Had John Rahm in the lineup, had Spieth and Morikawa as well. So those picks, that's pretty good, right? So obviously yeah, Rahm you got Rahm, Spieth, yeah. Morikawa, and Berger, it's almost Probably like did he win manipulate the, the, yeah. sa- the salary cap? Now he, uh, he's... Closed that out with a guy named Vermin. So, I mean, maybe he uh, spent like 3000 bucks. I made the cut, though. So, it was a great <laughs> pick, you know. So, uh, had all six golfers make the cut. So, give it Shout up to out. Charlie B. Cook, Danny Cook, finishes in second a few points behind. And then get loose uh, at 475 points. Rounds out the top three. Those three individuals are in the money. I just missed it uh, at seventh place. But, again, kind of fell apart just like my man Louie. Uh, my pick to win it all. And, uh, again, look, look smart after 54 holes. But it did not... End up so hot for either one of us, J. Till. So, uh, well, I mean, I guess we're we're a little over the hour mark here, J. Till. So um, now we've got lots of stuff coming up in the not so distant future. Right? But do. recap, right? So you, you talked about it earlier with Chalk, uh, the slumber party, right? So again, kind a of a private, a little bit friends of a private and family event, event right? So, Invite yeah. only. Uh, ben, the gracious general manager at Chalk, wanted to. Uh, 
He may not uh, be so gr- so gracious if you keep asking <laughs> to get up at 3 o'clock in the morning. Uh, we we wanted bar. to kind of beta test this idea with a, with a small group of folks we knew, um, you know, would, would behave themselves, uh, which is ironic because uh, these guys are not necessarily known to behave themselves. But Ben was kind enough to open up the doors of Chalk, turn on all 106 televisions to the Open Championship at 3 a.m. on Thursday morning, and uh, we had a hoot of a time. You know, at a, something like that, you never know how it's going to go because, again, uh, kind of unorthodox. You're hanging out with some guys, drinking a bunch of coffee, watching golf. I think it was aided in Spieth going off there right at the time we were watching and on playing great, and so that got everybody excited. But I think we had uh, seven or eight guys show up and hang out with us and watch golf and, and just had a hoot of a time. And uh, I think it went well enough that uh, we may be able to do something a little more widespread for the Open Championship, the 150th Open Championship at the home of golf. St. Andrews. St. Andrews, the old course, uh, already counting down the days uh, to 2022. But, yeah, got to shout out Ben for doing that for us. What and, a guy. Uh, what a us really sicko out. Uh, got to give it up also to Ben, Joel, uh, Heathcock, H.C., uh, they came out in full bathrobes as instructed, <laughs> and so it was quite a uh, quite a morning on Thursday. I was I planned on, in fact, I scheduled the day off, and then had ended up having to work, and I was totally slayed. Uh, Tank was o'clock. empty. Yeah, yeah, it was it was rough, but yeah, yeah I shout heard, out to Ben. I heard some guys were calling me out because I was not there, but I, I will. I, I do want to yeah. put it on the uh, record. I was that, gee, I was leading the yeah, charge. Thirty six holes. I played thirty six holes uh, with a starting with an eight a.m. tee time, so I knew I would not get through thirty six if I had got up at three a.m. with you goobers and uh, and hung out there. So bad planning. Uh, you know, I I, I feel like that part. was justified, right? So that, uh, justified that I wasn't but bad there. planning. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, you know, it, it happens, right? So a couple rounds come together uh, late in. In the uh, in the week for sure. So uh, now three are we, are we going to justify uh, the three? Just, three justify we got dirty dignify, birdies out are there. Are we going to dignify the three? Scooter Gers picks. He, he sent us the link, right? So again, if you want to get involved <laughs> with the three M, you go to fantasy sports never takes a week off. Absolutely, he's a grinder, right? So fantasysportspros.com. Scroll down to the bottom to the weekly pick segment. The link is up there under the YSO tab. Again, will look like an embedded spreadsheet. Yeah, I, mean, I figured but we were skipping this week, I, so I'm going blind. I won't go make blind. you. I won't necessarily make you go through the whole round if you just want to pick a winner or do you just want to let's let's, let's do, do it, it live let's do it, let's live. Do it live bill so. o'reilly i can't do it okay. we'll do it live okay well, it gets yeah, it gets a little blue gets at little that blue point there. so we'll stop there but we are going to do it live shout out to bill o'reilly so so let's go dark horse so now I, i've done a little bit of prep work here that's okay that's okay let me go first I, i've got natural. my guys i mean clearly i'm the reigning Brit- uk british open presented by her majesty the queen fantasy golf champion I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. And I am looking at the board right now, and I'm going James Hahn. 130 to 1 is my dark horse. Coming off shooting a 60 at the Barbasol Championship. He's in great form. He'll be able to bomb it at this golf course. The 3M is known as being a bombing, gouging paradise. James Hahn at uh, 130 to 1 is my dark horse. All right. You know, this is in the Twin Cities, right? TPC Twin it Cities is. up in the oh. Minneapolis. Uh, you know I'm going to whiffs, go whiffs. With, a, with a Midwest guy. So, and I'm going to go with the captain, the Ryder Cup captain, Steve Stricker, at 110 to 1. Again, plus 11,000. He's been playing some pretty good golf here recently, J. Till, whether it's out there on the PGA Tour, where he's gotten a few of those events, or whether it's on the Senior Tour, which he obviously qualifies for now. Absolutely. So Steve Stricker, the captain, 
at 110 to 1 as my dark horse. But let's go Cutmaker now. Well, I've said this name many times this summer, and I'm going to go back to the well once again. Right on the number of a 50 to 1 Cutmaker, Patton Kazire. Somebody who I really think will break Kizzy. through and win a PGA Tour event. Uh, while not a terrible field, as you said earlier, better a than a little I thought bit it would be. weaker, yeah. and so this is a chance for uh, PKs to put it all together. So give me Patton Kazire as my cut maker at fifty to one. Okay, I'm going to go way down the board here oh for my cut maker, and I'm going to go ninety-five to one. Joel Damon, Ooh, a guy that actually played morning, pretty, pretty well across the pond, didn't have a great Sunday. I think he shot four over seventy-four on Sunday, but was four under. Uh, before that, so it actually I think put together. Not wearing that bucket hat finally yeah, probably helps. Him. He's the bucket hat yeah. man, and he he yeah. he eschewed it, uh, and not he not makes even it, heavy makes wins. It look cooler, so yeah, yeah. But I'm gonna go Joel Damon at 95 to one again, getting some good odds there for the cut maker from yours truly. So I'm gonna go with him. But let's go top tenner. So who is an absolute lock to finish in the top ten at the uh, three? Staring, M- staring right at him, uh, big Bo- big Bobby Mac, Robert McIntyre. Oh. Acquitted himself nicely. Got a lot of TV coverage, yeah, on uh, Sunday. In the open, another sweet swinging lefty. A little bit of a portly lad uh, from Scotland. Babyface, too. Young face. Right there at 3,100, plus 3,100, 31 to 1. Give me me Big Bob Mack for a top 10 lock. If he can do it at the open, he can do it in Minnesota. All right, one of these depleted fields, although not as depleted as what we would have thought, right? But I'm going to go Big Utah. Maybe Tony, it's uh, depressed. Tony Finau is my top tenner at 16-1 to 1 overall to win the tournament. Again, kind of snuck around, had a decent he open. Blew five, turn- he blew this he was, tournament last yeah, year. Yeah, he was 5-under, so. 6-under, I think, is what Tony Finau finished across oh, the pond. The open, yeah. yeah, yeah, so I think he's uh, he's maybe starting to figure some things out. Again, one of these events that uh, his talent might be enough to kind of get him into the final pairing on Sunday, so I'm going to go Tony Finau as my top tenner at 16 to 1. Picking a winner is going to Pick be us a winner. tough, but uh, I'm going to ride a hot hand. I'm going to ride somebody who um, absolutely fits the definition of a bomber and gouger, Dylan Fratelli. Again, going to this blind, played I got to well go with week. folks that played well. Now, a little bit risky because leading into the Open Championship, I think he had missed three straight cuts and eight out of 10. So uh, hopefully that wasn't a flash in the pan. I'm going to assume that it's not, and he is going to win the 3M Championship uh, Longhorn. I don't know why I'm riding these Longhorns so so much. Uh, I guess all's fair in love and golf. Well, you can't throw the horns down anymore. You'll get in trouble for that. So, uh, well, you know. News from the Big 12 media days this past week for college football. I hate to hear it. Uh, I'm going to go with a Big 12-er as well. I'm going to go with Oklahoma State's Ricky Fowler. Oh, uh, 44 to wow. one as I my thought, winner. Again, I was deep going cut, out on a limb for him just cut. making the cut. Yep, deep cut here. But again, you, you talked about his play on Sunday. Again, kind of he was so far back it didn't really matter, right? And most uh, people didn't really see it. But he looked good, right? The mustache was trim. It was neat. He I, looked I stylish. Think this so is another opportunity for a straight up uh, Ricky Fowler versus Dylan Fratelli uh, lunch bet. Both 44 to 1. So you won the last one, right? So I, I think double or nothing? Double or nothing. Double or nothing it is then. So Ricky Fowler versus Dylan Fratelli. Both of them at 44 to 1. Those are our picks to win the tournaments this week. And again, you want to get involved from a daily fantasy standpoint with us, YSO Dirty Birdies. Uh, big shout-out to our guys, Scooter Gers and Chad 2G Ford. Again, you can check that out at the bottom of our webpage, fantasysportspros.com. Well, let's wrap it up, Jay Till. So, uh, plugs, man. Well, Throw them out there. Uh, I think, you know, just before I get into the plugs, again, thanks to everybody for the engagement and the interaction on Open Championship Week. Yeah, it was a fun week. The UK-British Open was an absolute stellar experience. 
And uh, I know that a lot of folks, uh, as much as we had talked it up, got involved a little bit uh, higher level than they would have otherwise. And so I appreciate everybody out there. Uh, But yes, one of the things we did hot and heavy all Open Championship Week was fire up the Twitter machine at YSOGolf. Uh, admittedly, I've been a little bit lagging on the Instagram content because I added a little stretch where I didn't play golf uh, for a week. But we have some things coming up that will certainly be lighting up. Jonathan W. Teal is the Instagram handle. Keep a lookout for that. So at YSO Golf on Twitter, Jonathan W. Teal on Instagram, having a lot of fun with that stuff. Yep, absolutely. And again, for us at the Sports Pros Network, check us out on the web at fantasysportspros.com or on Twitter at sports underscore pros. And remember, that is pros with an E, P-R-O-S-E. It's going to be hot this week, ladies and gentlemen, but get out there, play some golf, have fun, and as always, enjoy the walk. (laughs) 